Thanks for tuning in. This is podcast number 10, and we're going to continue our series on Order of the Sport. We've got a couple more left, and uh, I, I thought I'd uh, try to get this series moving along. Got so many more things to talk about, but uh, I definitely want to stay the course and, uh, and finish uh, this series on Order of the Sport. So this is podcast number 10. We've already had um, the, the, some of the first things with Order of the Sport. Um, we had our vision and focus. We had motor controls, uh, we had bike placement, and we just had one on, on brakes. And now I want to continue uh, with the next, um, the next thing in the order of the sport, and that is body position and body timing. And a couple things on this. Notice we said body position and body timing. Those are two totally different things. We, can, we want to have great body position, but it's when we want to have our body in the right place. So that's why we separate body position and body timing. And you also notice where, where this is coming in, right? It, there's, there's things that we want to be able to do with, uh, with our bike and our riding, but there's other things that are more important, right? We've got to be able to have our vision and focus, and we've got to have our motor controls, and we've got to know where to place the bike, and we have to be able to use our brakes. So we'll, we'll bring body position and body timing into play when it's holding you back from meeting your goals. So is it important? You bet it's important. But you can also get around the track really well by not necessarily having the best body position in the world. And you know, I'll, I definitely work on body position and, and it's, it is a huge, huge deal uh, in, in my riding and, and of course at the top of the sport as well. Um, but we'll introduce it in our training uh, when it's holding you back. So I wanted to make that, that point clear. So a couple thoughts on body position and body timing. One, so body position. So why do, why do the best riders in the world, whether it's World Superbike or, or um, uh, MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3, aim, why are they hanging off the way they're hanging off? Because it's quicker, right? They can run less lean angle or they can run maximum lean angle with more speed. So let's just be, be clear on that. Um, they're, they're, they'd be able to use less lean angle. And the second part is that if you're sitting in the middle of the seat on the bike, what are you telling the bike to do? You're telling the bike to go straight. So this is part of where the body timing comes into play as well. When you move on the seat, when you move from foot peg to foot peg, tells the bike where to go at the right time. So body position and body timing, it, it is for sure a huge, huge issue. Other, otherwise, the best riders in the world wouldn't be doing what they're doing. So let's, let's kind of dive into it. So body position, body position. We need to have body position, as I said, because we can run less, less given lean angle uh, for a given speed. Or if you hang off more, you can run more speed at the same lean angle. So that's why you'll see the, the quickest riders in the world using as much body as they can because they want to run the least amount of lean angle um, for, for that speed. Body timing. There's a time when your body should be in the right, right position, right? If we just went around the whole track looking like Lorenzo or Marquez or Rossi uh, or, or, or any of these guys, um, we'd, we'd be doing ourselves a disservice. So there's a time when our body should be in the right position. And I'll go through that and I'm going to give you some steps to make that, that work. So body timing is putting your bike, putting your body in the right position at the right time to get the bike to do what you want it to do. So 
the way that we're going to do this is one, um, we'll, we kind of move this up into three steps. The first step is, is we'll sit up on the brakes. And we sit up on the brakes because we want to be in a position to brake. And how our hands are placed on the bar is critical. How we're, how we're against the gas tank is a big deal, right? We, we want to be off against the gas tank. But in, and, I, and I shouldn't say necessarily off the gas tank. We want to be splayed out enough. We want to, we want to be long enough on the bike so that our hands are in the right position on the clip-ons and our chest can clear the gas tank. And if you look at, you can look at a bunch of different motorcycles. You can look at, for instance, uh, a standard GSXR, great motorcycle. Um, the, the distance between the handlebars and the seat is very close. The new R1, very, very long. New R1's designed more like a MotoGP bike, or it's a very long, the bars are actually fairly narrow. And it's like that because we're, we're getting more and more splayed out so we can move our upper body to tell the bike where to go. So first step is, is we want to be in a position to brake and we don't want to be up against that gas tank. Typically, most of us are too close to that gas tank. And we want to be back enough so our chest can clear and it puts our hands in the right spot. So we'll sit up on the brakes, we use our palms to support ourselves and we do that because it allows to us to have more brake pressure. And the, the, the step two, and this is really where things get a little bit more, um, more difficult. Um, we we want to be able to use the brakes to turn the bike, and this is for this is for corners where we're going to use the brakes um, to turn in. Uh, we're not necessarily going to counter steer, and since we're kind of on that subject, we'll just kind of jump into it, right? So we don't we don't really use counter steering uh, for corners that we're going to use the brakes on. We're going to use brake pressure. Um, we're going to use our, our our upper body to load the peg, and there's a difference between bar pressure and bar input. Right? Yeah, you're gonna have some pressure on the bar. Sure, you gotta support yourself. But we're not gonna make these big inputs for counter steering to get the bike to turn. <clears throat> on, on turns that we have to use the throttle for, right? Where you're not using the brakes, where you're just using your body to go back and forth across the seat to weight the pegs, and you're on the throttle, of course you're gonna use some bar input to make that happen. So you see the difference? If you can use your brakes and body to do it, you'll load the peg if it's, if it's more of an on-throttle type of a situation, a set of S's, a chicane, something along those lines, um, then, then you're going to use more, more of a counter-steering type of a movement there. So um, let's make sure that we get that point clear. For corners that we're going to use the brakes in our body, as we sit up on the brakes, right now we're in that step one position to brake. Now step two, what we're really going to do is we're just we're going to load the peg at the rate we want the bike to turn. So you, it's funny again. We just watched Qatar MotoGP this uh, um, this weekend, and we really saw this pattern in every single class. Right? They on those corners where they have the time, the radius is longer. Right? They load that peg over a long period of time, load that front tire over a long period of time, and this is where there's a difference between turn and rate and turn and point. <clears throat> we'll certainly get into that. But, but step two is body timing, and now we'll lead with our forehead to load the peg at the rate we want the bike to turn. If we have the time, corners that come after a long straightaway, we'll load the peg over a longer period of time because it loads the tire over a longer period of time. We have the time available to make that happen. For corners where we have less time, whether we've got a set of combination corners um, or shorter radius corners, we have to move in less time because the radius is shorter. So we, we move at a quicker rate and we move at a quicker rate because the bike needs to turn in less time. 
So step one, again, we sit up on the brakes, put ourselves in a position to brake. And then step two, we lead with our forehead. Uh, and as we lead with the forehead, we weight the peg at the rate we want the bike to turn. Step three, step three is, is we see this, um, especially on the, the Moto GP bikes, but I actually saw it a lot with the Moto 2 bikes as well, is we come off the corner. If we're going to add throttle, we want to be in a position where we're taking away lean angle. So step three is essentially body and throttle. As you go to add throttle, you'll stand the bike up, and there's lots of different ways. You can, in, you can say, well, um, I dropped my head. I could say I pushed the bike away from me, uh, pushed the bike away from me. It's the same thing. You're taking away lean angle. So we need to be, be able to take away lean angle to make that happen. So step three is essentially as you add throttle, you're going to be taking away lean angle. And there's, again, a bunch of different ways that we say that. So the three steps with, with the body timing is let's, let's put ourselves in that position. You sit up on the brakes. Step two is you, as you turn in, um, you'll turn, right? You, you lead with your forehead. You bend at the waist. And the big step with this is unweighting the inside arm as, as you turn in. If you leave that inside arm straight, we have a tendency to get really crossed up on the bike. That inside arm has got to relax. And as you do that, that weight literally gets transferred down through your core, into your lower body, into your leg, and into your foot to support yourself. And when it does that, that inside arm relaxes. Well, when that inside arm relaxes, it relaxes the steering head of the motorcycle, right? It relaxes the bars. It allows that front wheel to track better. Why doesn't your bike turn when your inside arm is all straight? Because you've essentially locked the steering head at that point. Relax that inside arm. You go, oh my gosh, my bike turned so well. Yeah, because you've allowed it to turn so well. So step two as you go to turn in, you relax that inside arm. You can think, okay, I'm going to point my elbow. Uh, I'm going to put my chin where the mirror is. I'm going to touch my chin to my hand. Something that gets you over so your mass is to the inside and put your, uh, put your weight on that inside peg. So <clears throat> a couple things that work along this. Let's give you some report cards for this. Is... The first 5% of your body movement, you see a pattern here, right? This is part of our motor controls. The first 5% of our body movement is what allows us to adjust for the corner radius. If you go from step one and then you go bam all the way to step three, well, you don't have anything left over for the exit. You've got to leave a little bit left over so your body's got some ability to stand the bike up on the exit. So you move. At the first 5% of your body movement is what allows you to adjust for that radius. It allows you to adjust that, that, uh, that peg pressure. Again, the quicker you, the, the faster you go, the sooner it has to happen, but that initial movement is still very, very slow. This, this is what allows you to be that adjustable rider for every radius. This, is, uh, this ends up being a bigger, bigger deal than you think. So think about your initial body movement and make your initial movement, that first 5%, slower than you think so it can adjust. Foot position is also a big deal. That inside foot, it's going to want to be at about a 45-degree angle. The heel has got to be up. And when the heel is up, suddenly your core is engaged. And again, that takes weight off of your inside hand. People that have really lazy inside foots, will find that the weight goes on their hand. So thinking about how that does and engages their core. 
Another report card is your outside thigh. Your outside thigh, as you go to rotate in, right, your, your hips rotate and your outside thigh gets locked into the tank, again, unweighting that inside arm. And it puts all the weight down low, puts it in your feet. So another great report card is a step two. You should feel that outside thigh engage. The report card is your hands should now be unweighted or have less weight on them in the middle of the corner. When you're braking, step one, your hands are loaded. Heck yeah, they are. Otherwise, you'll never build brake pressure. It's how you transfer that weight off of your hands from step one to step two. And it's those three report cards I gave you, right? The foot position, your core engaged, and your outside thigh. When that happens, you, sh you, you should have a lot less pressure on your inside hands. And that, that is what allows that bike to turn. And of course, then that allows you to be able to stand the bike up on exits. So this, this part of the order of the sport, right? This part of the fundamentals, body position, body timing, it's a huge deal. But we'll introduce it when it's holding you back. More specifically, the body timing ends up being a bigger deal. Body position, yeah, we, 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 we uh, tend to overdo that at times. But it's the timing of when the body should be in the right place that I think is completely misunderstood. So separate body position from body timing. Put yourself in the right position, pause, at the right time to tell the bike where to go. Um, I think that this would be a really good step for you. All right. Thank you all for listening.